Our scripture reading is 1 Corinthians chapter 2 this morning. If you would turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul remembers when he had visited Corinth. He says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? but we have the mind of Christ. Amen. Now turn over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. On a job site, there were three men. 
They were asked to describe their work. The first said he was making a living. The second said he was moving stones. And the third said, I am building a cathedral. Now we saw recently in verse 1 a few weeks ago, in the offering of God, our sacrifice, our our bodies to God, which is our reasonable worship, is based on his compassionate mercies for us, that we are, in a sense, a mobile cathedral, temples of his Holy Spirit, who are moving amongst the population of the country in which he has placed us. We are becoming something beautiful. We are becoming something substantial for God's purposes. We are to be doing righteousness and holiness, accomplishing purity and holy things. And now we find it's not just our behavior, our choices and our acts and our deeds that God wants. He wants our very minds. He wants our minds, he says in verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewal of your minds. Notice the contrast here in verse 2. Do not be conformed, but be transformed. The contrast. When he says, do not be conformed to this world, this world in the uh, biblical sense is the secular age, the secular culture in which we live, or God's people have lived at any time in history. He says, be careful, don't be conformed to this age, this worldly age, this culture. Be careful, don't be a product of your culture. Do not, culture tries to mold us and to shape us into its pattern. When cookies are made, the cookie cutter stamps the cookies out of the dough, and, and they are very, very similar beside each other. And our culture tries to do the same, stamp its image on us, to mold us, make us the same as everyone else, where we think the same, where we do the same, where we value, and what we value becomes the same. And before you know it, we are the same if we don't take care. We mirror our society. We become molded by it. And the fads and the fancies of our times can capture our minds. They can capture our minds where we think no different than than the people around us every day. Remember when everybody had to have a Rubik's Cube? Remember that? (laughs) Or waterbeds were a big thing back in the 70s and 80s. Then there was a phase not long ago called planking. People would just lay horizontal in strange places. Pokemon used to be a thing. All these fads, they come, they go, they came, they went, and 
the next new thing arrives. And our culture, our culture has a way of thinking that it values what is so impermanent, what is so fleeting, like TikTok videos that are gone in a few seconds or Instagrams that are gone. Now our culture in which we live is very broken. We live in a very broken culture. And what our culture is producing, the, the people it's producing, things have gone very terribly wrong. Jeremy Adams in his book called Hollowed Out. He says this, people seem to have no understanding of what it means to be fully human. They are living solitary lives, inextricably linked to their phones, but largely disconnected from parents, churches, and communities. He says, in such a life of banality and tedium, the impetus for self-regulation, for self-improvement and, and self-motivation, it all just fades away. And he says, we're living in the midst of a cult of self where the almighty I reigns. An, an I that reigns that would make Narcissus blush. And that people today are not looking up to heaven. They're not looking out to the world. They're not looking down at their hands. They're looking instead into the mirror of their own frivolous self. Hence the selfie age. Such is our culture where what do I want becomes the theme of how, how people live every day. And young people in particular are feeling as a result of our brokenness, our broken culture. They're feeling depressed and empty and lonely, disconnected and distracted. They're so distracted, unable to focus, desperate for experiences, but avoiding adult responsibilities. Desperate for experiences, but staying young, juveniles in their behavior and in their minds. And each person becomes the celebrity of their own lives, and, and celebrity living brings with it celebrity problems. Now, you and I are disciples of Christ. We're not supposed to be products of our culture. We are new creatures in Jesus Christ. We are products of his grace, products of his spirit within us, and his word which we are to treasure in our hearts. We're familiar with the lobster in the pot. He doesn't feel the danger as the heat is being turned up or the frog in the pan. He won't jump out as the temperature goes up little by little. 
When we are converted to Christ, we don't stay in the pot. We don't stay in the pan. We get out. And we are told here to be transformed in verse 2. Metamorpho, from which we get the alliterated word metamorphosis, a massive change, a transformation. He says, be transformed. It's the same word that was used of Christ when he was transfigured on that mountain and his face shone like the sun. He was metamorpho. He was changed. And so Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. We are being changed. We are being transfigured. We are being transformed. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So there is to be a transforming and constant ongoing change where it's not the mind of the culture and the mind of the world that is incubated in us, but it's the mind of Christ. The renewal of our mind is ongoing. We have developing within us, and you should have this, a mind that is developing a Christ way of thinking in you, that a Christ way of looking at the world, a Christ way of looking at the news, a Christ way of looking at your community and your neighbors and your own families, a Christian view. And, and we have to radically reorient ourselves. This word mind is also used uh, uh, for, for heart in the New Testament. In fact, sometimes you find these words synonymously used, mind, heart, and soul. They speak of the inner being of who we are, the mode of thinking, the mode of feeling, the internal you, that which is internal, not external. And this is where, where Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, he says. With all that is internal to love him. Before we came to Christ, we read God gave them up to a debased mind in Romans chapter 1. God gave them up to a debased mind, a fallen mind, a, a mind that thinks and welcomes the cultural way of thinking and valuing. But then he says, and Peter says in 1 Peter, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Don't, don't stay in the way that you were now that you have converted to Christ. <laughs> he says, be God called you to be holy. You're going to think differently. You're going to act differently. Holy in all your conduct. A true test would be time travel, wouldn't it? Time travel. Imagine a Christian from a thousand years ago being transported into our time. And he really should have no trouble fitting into our church because... 
We are supposed to believe the same. We, we value the same things. We live out the same faith. Culture becomes irrelevant. But is that the state of the North American church? Jesus said to Peter, when he said, get behind me, Satan, he says, you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. We can be so consumed. And I know I can be. So consumed with what the culture is saying we're supposed to be consumed about. I'm so afraid of what they say we're supposed to be afraid about. So distracted by that which they say is so important, and it's not. We have to reorient ourselves. To do that, we, we turn to his word and ask him to accomplish that work by his spirit in us. Paul says to the Colossians, set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Keep, keep that eternal perspective. You're going to be thinking right. You're going to be valuing things rightly. It's not going to, certain things are not going to be as important to you as they were before. You know, every day we're facing choices. Every day you are facing choices to conform to the world or to live out a renewed mind, to live out your transformation, your your growth in the mind of Christ. We're presented with these choices throughout our everyday life. I had my lawn rolled. The fellow wanted cash. And then right away in my mind, I'm thinking that opens all sorts of problems. It'd be so easy just to give him cash. And but what about the tax issues and all of these things? It's so easy to go along. It's so hard to, to say, no, I'm not going to do that, or can I have a receipt? <laughs> um, but Christ loves the truth, doesn't he? Those little things are a wonderful test to evaluate where we are. Had an estimate done on some work and the fellow gave me the estimate. He was swearing up a good, a good storm there. What do you do? Do you just let it all pass? Do you just smile, not swear yourself? But what do you do? Young people, someone sends you an inappropriate picture. What do you do when the scripture says, set no unclean thing before your eyes? What do you do? Choices throughout our day. Remember Daniel. Daniel kept his vows to God with food and prayer. It was dangerous for him to do so, and yet he still did it. The scripture says, set the mind on a mind on the flesh is death, he says in Romans 8 of, of this book. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. Now, you and I, we don't live in caves. 
We don't live in fortresses. We don't live off the grid, so to speak. We're not in a monastery, far from our fellow man and, and the influences of our culture and the influences of our relationships. We interact all the time with our culture, but we're not to accommodate our culture. We interact with it, we don't become like it. We don't accommodate it. And amongst our fellow citizens and culture, Jesus tells us to be salt, doesn't he? He says salt, that preservative of that which is good of Christ in the community. You're, and light, that, that you speak the word of God and let people know why you are different. Salt and light in the culture and community. That's interacting and engaging, but not accommodating it not becoming like it, leaving a mark on the culture rather than the culture leaving its mark on you. And for, for us, you know, as Christians, there are probably an awful lot of things that we need to unlearn. Things to unlearn that almost we take for granted, like the lobster or the frog, we just don't even realize or things that we even think are Christian that aren't at all. I mean, there's this thought amongst many that Canada is a good country. Uh, wow. That other places are bad, we're good. If you think that, you need to rethink that and unlearn some things. that our culture is somehow on the side of righteousness or the right, while other cultures are on the side of wrong. I mean, in Canada, from an early age now, children are learning sexual ethics that degrade. They're, they're being taught that the truth doesn't, in fact, exist. That feelings are paramount and experiences are the purpose of life and they are delaying adult responsibilities and they are looking into themselves that almighty eye they are standing before that mirror and they are just gazing and being taught to gaze and that life itself in Canada is largely disposable abortion on one end where our parliament rushed to a affirm abortion with no rules, no stipulations, no boundaries. And, uh, Europe has tons more boundaries than Canada has. And, and Parliament sees itself as righteous in, in that. And now euthanasia. I mean, it, they're looking at some new studies now to completely, within six years, They've gone from euthanasia under these boundaries and stipulations to where they're heading by next year. Nothing. No rules. Nothing at all. Six years. In February, a Canadian woman ended her life because she was poor. She suffered from some conditions. And 
Juan Zizou said this, Canadian law in its majesty has allowed both the rich as well as the poor to kill themselves if they are too poor to continue living with dignity. What Canadian governments will not do is spend money to allow people to live with dignity rather than killing themselves. And so now if you're poor and you see no hope and you have no place to live, killing yourself is an option in Canada. According to the federal government's own math, there is a cost savings to the Canadian healthcare system for every patient that is euthanized. They've turned it into a dollar and cents issue. The more people who are euthanized, the more money that is saved on end-of-life care. And they've put numbers onto that. The Parliamentary Budget Office in 2020 said of the 6,500 people in Canada who were euthanized, that we saved $109 million. You just know where this is going. And they actually, in that same report, mentioned that if Canadians were permitted to euthanize for any reason, they would expect very quickly to have an additional $62 million saved. So now it becomes a public service. Now it becomes a good, you're a good community member if you accept euthanized, to be euthanized in Canada. That's where it's going by next year. We have a lot to unlearn about our own nation and its perceived goodness. We are not a city on a hill. That's the new Jerusalem, the city of God is on the hill, not Canada. And the way we unlearn and, and be able to look at our faith and take away those cultural assumptions is to fill our minds with the Word of God, is to read it, and to pray it, and to act as God's Holy Spirit to continue his sanctifying work, his transforming work in your life, in your mind, to renew your mind and how you think, that your mind will be the mind of Christ. He says that to the Philippians. He says, have this mind among yourselves, he says, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And so verse 1 and 2 is telling us that he's changing us outside and he's changing us inside and this is our worship to him our reasonable worship our inner man and our bodies our outward expression of our inner man our deeds being the living sacrifice Charlene and I were with one of our sons in Chicago quite a few years ago and we happened upon the filming of the movie Transformers downtown Chicago. 
there was a big battle scene and we got to watch it all. Transformers. But the real change that we admired, the real metamorphosis, was in the life of our son because he, what he was noticing was the poverty of some people on the street. People that were sleeping on the street and had nothing. And it bothered him. And at one corner, he gave food to a young man who was sitting on the pavement. And we thought, well, you know, that's the real transformation the important transformation that was going on, working in him and through him in a righteous deed. The prophet Isaiah says this, but now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are our potter. We are the work of your hand. Uh, and we have sung many times, have thine own way, Lord. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. He says that at the end of verse two, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. You'll, you'll figure it out with his help this than this and, and you'll move forward in his will what is good and acceptable and perfect. God is building a cathedral, a mobile cathedral. You are his cathedral. We are his cathedral moving amongst our fellow Canadians. Leave your mark, leave your mark on your culture rather than being culturally conditioned. Let's pray together. Perhaps you need to recommit yourself. Perhaps you need to rededicate yourself. Perhaps you've gotten away from his word, which is his uh, a main way that he works his, his way into us and through us, through his word as he changes us. You need to get back to that. You know this. Some discipline and some focus. The culture would distract you every few seconds. To welcome his Holy Spirit and ask him to grow you and make you different and give you a mind that is focused on heavenly things. To be that mobile cathedral in a whole new way. Heavenly Father, do your work in us. Mold us and make us. Grant us a mind that you have renewed, a mind that you have created in us. Oh, Lord, the culture is powerful in it. And it's so broken. And what it is producing is of such worry and concern. But that's not for us. We are 
a changed people. We are a different people. We are a peculiar people. And so, Father, some here this morning just rededicating to you, to your word and spirit, recommitting themselves to your, to read and to pray and to gain the mind of Christ. Hear their prayers as they pray from their heart and hear our prayer corporately as we ask for our church that you help us navigate these troubled days and be true and faithful and to keep Christ the center of all. Thank you for him. Thank you for his shed blood for us. Thank you for the forgiveness that we have through him. The wonderful, tender mercies that you have given to us. And so, bless us as we sing. May the mind of Christ my Savior live in me from day to day. In Jesus' name, amen.